Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This is the Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world. All on the Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Hash on Coindesk TV. If you are listening to us, you are listening on the Coindesk Podcast Network. I'm Jensen Assey, and I'm joined by Zach Seward and Will Foxley. Zach, you're kicking us off on this UST story that in true crypto fashion just is taking every twist and turn that we could possibly imagine. What do you got for us this morning? The crypto world is captivated by the Terra story. That is for sure. The native asset of the Terra blockchain, Luna, down bad, real bad over the last couple of days. We're talking about a 90 plus percent fall over the last 24 hours, which is really, really remarkable. This after a crisis of confidence in UST, the algorithmic stable coin that is wedded closely to the fate of Luna, slipped off of its peg in dramatic fashion dropping below, I think it was 30 cents earlier today, now hovering around half a buck. So pretty crazy stuff going on in the world of terror right now, and the crypto market is watching rapidly. Coindesk was also able to report an interesting little nugget this morning about Terraform Labs CEO Do Kwon. According to ex-colleagues, uh, he was behind another algorithmic stablecoin experiment called Basis Cash, which launched in 2020 and didn't really ever get off the ground that much. So the dream of an algorithmic stablecoin was alive then as it is now. And this anonymous team, funnily enough, named Rick and Morty, brought this thing to fruition. And now, according to sources, uh, as captured here by Sam Kessler doing yeoman's work on the overnight he was able to get this on the record in what was a bit of an open secret in certain blockchain communities. But now this is confirmed that Do Kwon was one of the anonymous founders of this project that didn't really take off at all. So yeah, lots of interesting stuff going on as the world watches the terror story unfold. I'm going to toss it straight to Will for his initial thoughts on what is going on with Terra. What's up? Yeah. To quote crypto influencer, Crypto Cobain, Ayo, what happened this morning with this? This is pretty insane to see this guy in basis cash, which was just at the time, a huge story that algorithmic stablecoin, like you said, Zach, in 2020 crashed. People tried to resurrect an old project and it had just the conclusion everyone saw coming. Different 
project in terms of people, but same and similar like code base. And now we have Doquan who helps head that up, move over to UST, try doing a very similar thing, slightly different mechanism, but very similar thing. And you know, the story here is that like he bullied his way into getting this project big, $40 billion market cap at one point, and now it's sputtering into death uh, in front of everyone's eyes. Zach, your take? Yeah, just like a really interesting sort of crypto historical footnote, right? So Basis, which was founded with something like $133 million in venture cash, it was founded by the guy who went on to found, found Deso, which is a sort of semi-controversial Web3 social network. So Basis was founded and they said, okay, this is never going to fly with regulators. We're pulling the plug on this thing. It's a dead project. In comes Rick and Morty, the anonymous co-founders of Basis Cash, which sort of revived this code from the dead and looked to bring a true algorithmic stablecoin to life. Didn't work out. This was late 2020. Uh, this was sort of bringing sort of the algorithm stablecoin into the DeFi moment. We reported on it at the time. It didn't work out. And now we're reporting it's coming to light that, you know, Doquan, this was sort of his first hack at the algorithmic stablecoin, the holy grail of a decentralized stablecoin that isn't, you know, it doesn't have its fates tied to any centralized intermediary that can be blocked, banned, or censored by governments the world over. So this has been a longstanding quest. And that's sort of the historical context in which we find today's revelation. But Will, I'll kick it back to you. I saw your hand and Jen as well. Some takes, and I had this take yesterday, was like you can give Doquan props for like trying to build a medium exchange for Bitcoin and, and creating a project like this. But now that this has come to light, it really does resemble that snake oil salesman, right? Going from town to town, booting up a new project, using pseudonymity to protect himself, making a lot of cash along the way. And I think it has proven out a lot of, to be frank, like Bitcoin maximalist viewpoint that a lot of these projects have just like bad characters behind them. It's not always the case, obviously. There's, uh, there's always a little bit of truth in the middle here. But I think it has proven out that there are a lot of bad actors out there and they're trying to do things that shouldn't be done and they keep going along with it. And there's consequences for it. If you go over to the Reddit page for the Terra Luna ecosystem right now, there are suicide hotline numbers all over the place because people have lost out on thousands of dollars, in some cases, life savings, because they went to this uh, protocol, specifically Anchor, which is built on the Terra ecosystem. For that 20% APY, that was a lot of interest that you could earn for what has been an interest-free rate for, for quite a while in the larger economy. So people were flocking to this protocol and had almost predictable results if you understood what was going on. So a lot of people called out the Terra ecosystem and called out Doquan for this. And Doquan came right back at them for interfering or fudding his protocol. And now we see that you know the death spiral was basically built into this. There's been a lot of revealing Twitter threads over the last few days talking about how this was predictable, how it could have happened, and how people brought it up months ago, including some people like David Morris on Coindesk. But we still have the same results and people have lost out a lot of money. Jen, your take? Yeah, Will, you kind of just brought up both points I wanted to bring up. The first is this culture around anonymity and pseudonymity in crypto, right? We spoke about it yesterday. There's so much trust that you have to have in the founders of a lot of projects. You have to trust that they're going to do the things that they say they're going to do and that they're going to be ethical should they fail in achieving their goals. I think that Doquan had an ethical obligation to disclose his past, and he didn't. And that's a huge, huge problem, right? We now think about the people. I was traveling last week and was with a bunch of people who were buying the dip when Luna was at $20. I woke up this morning and thought about those people, thought about the mass amount of money that these people have lost because I, I don't think we can understand everything about a project. We always say, 
do your own research, educate yourself, know what you're getting into. And I think there's only so much you can do. And then you have to rely on, on the trust in the founders and in the people who are building these products. And so I just want to reiterate to everyone, do as much research as you can. And if you are going to FOMO into projects, try and gather all of the information you can and only invest what you can afford to lose. But Will, I'm going to pass it back to you. Yeah, just to make your point again in just a different way, would you have invested in Luna or a Terra ecosystem if you knew Doquan was behind Basis Cash? And I think if most people saw that, they'd probably say no. You'd look at Basis Cash on CoinGecko, you look at the price fall, and you say, like, why would I touch anything in this ecosystem? Of course, there's stories of people out there who have had failed projects and have resurrected themselves or built amazing things. That happens, and that's awesome when that happens. But these algorithmic stablecoins, they're known not to work. We've done so many iterations over the years and they've all gone to zero. They've all broken their peg and there's always been burnt investors on the other side. And the fact that this wasn't disclosed is pretty disheartening. Zach, I'll give it to you. Yeah, I guess I'm a bit more sympathetic to you know failing and learning and I, I don't necessarily see it as, as being necessarily ill-intentioned. The crazy thing about Terra and Luna is that it, it worked for so long, right? And some of these systems, they work until they don't. And what we're seeing now is that moment of catastrophic failure where these things unravel really, really quickly because they're sort of raw market energy here. People getting scared, people getting anxious, people getting whatever you know shred of their investment out of these products that they can before everything just implodes all the way even further down to zero. So it is really remarkable in these moments to see how quickly this stuff moves. I was remarking to some reporters today, you know, this feels kind of like, you know, that Black Thursday from March 2020 after the COVID news hit and the markets just freaked out and Bitcoin dumped to like 3000 or something, right? Today, I think it feels very similar to that day where you're watching this market kind of tumble. The biggest victim here is Terra and investors in Terra who are left with great losses. Bitcoin kind of holding steady around 30K which is maybe notable in its own respect, but there's just a lot of sort of fear, uncertainty, and doubt in the market. You can say FUD without it being connoted as this sort of like, you know, bad word or whatever. I think if you just look at what it stands for, all those three things are in the market today. And I think we're seeing that unfold, especially within this particular ecosystem and stories like this, where former employees now come out and say, hey, here's, here's something you didn't know before. You know, we kind of knew it in our circle, but now, hey, world, you should know. That's what we're seeing. And that's what I think this story represents. But Jen, I'll kick it to you for last thoughts. Yeah, I say this every time we talk about a story like this, but I am curious to see what the regulatory response is going to be. We saw yesterday Janet Yellen bring up stable coins at the Senate Banking Committee. I think that regulatory response is going to be a strong one to this, especially because there are so many retail investors who have lost so much money. And like Will said, you know, we're sharing suicide hotlines and Reddit forums. So I look forward to see how the regulators respond. And if they are able to maintain separation between algorithmic stable coins and the more centralized traditional stable coin. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. I don't know if I'm looking forward to regulatory moves I, here. I mean, like, I'm just we, we looking can... forward, I'm not like excited about it. I'm just looking forward. I'm not excited. <laughs> wait, Jen, are you looking forward to more like, protections not... coming out? Are you looking forward to more protectors? <laughs> I'm not excited about it. Sure I'm just like very seeing. Person I'm just saying, Jen. looking forward. <laughs> Let's talk about Coinbase, which is not looking hot either. It's down 72% year to date uh, off its all-time high from $350 some dollars to I think ground trading around $50 a pop right now per share. So also not doing great. Coinbase is basically trading uh, on what Bitcoin moves. So it has some 
odd correlations there. Another exposure it does have because it's publicly listed. So it's happening in equities. Equities are down considerably from the beginning of the year. So you have two downward pressures on this ticker. The last thing uh, that's very important is yesterday, there was a 10Q disclosed by Coinbase talking about what happens in the case of bankruptcy for Coinbase. And there was a little line that upset a lot of investors who have funds on Coinbase. And that's that Coinbase could technically have custody of customers' funds as unsecured credit in the case of a bankruptcy. This headline needs a little more nuance around it. So it's not exactly what some people on Twitter were talking about. They were just arguing that Coinbase could take your funds if they went bankrupt for, for whatever reason. It's not quite the case. Zach, I want to throw it over to you to get more information about that headline and then your take on Coinbase. I mean, I'll give you the second thing. And I don't know if I have much more on the first, but the second thing about Coinbase existing in a crypto market like this, as it relates to the broader public markets, this is something that I think that, you know, crypto observers had been warning of when Coinbase went public, right? When Coinbase goes public and all of a sudden its stock price is wed to the world of crypto, which is volatile and has different ebbs and flows and is sort of different, although increasingly similar to the world of equities, exposure to that by way of the stock price is something that many observers before Coinbase went public thought, hey, that might get kind of scary and weird for you as a public company, right? The, the Wall Street world may not be conditioned to the crypto volatility that we've seen in this market for a number of years. So the fact that coin, the stock, is wed so closely to the good or bad fortunes of the crypto market makes for ugly charts like that as investors lose confidence in, in Coinbase as that meta crypto proxy that investors can buy into. But back to you. Yeah, I think Coinbase itself, like Coin, the ticker, has a lot of issues with those macro headwinds. It's going to be hit just like the rest of equities. I don't know what the percentage is right now. Last week, equities were down like 15% year to day or just basically like the NASDAQ. So Coinbase has to struggle with that as well. And then like you said, Zach, on top of it, it's they have all these assets on their books and they're trading assets on behalf of other people's that are tied to cryptocurrencies, right? So like their volumes... Uh, last quarter were down quite a bit. I don't have the percentages off the top of my head, but they missed their volumes. They missed their revenues for the quarter. Uh, and that's rough. Right? It tells you that retail is maybe leaving this market and there's only a lot of larger funds trading on Coinbase that are left around. And for the broader crypto ecosystem, I think this is just telling you where crypto is going, probably going to a bear market. If retail has left this much, and I think the coin ticker is a very good proxy for retail investment in the industry right now, then it tells you that we're, we're sort of in down bad times all around. Jen, I'll give it to you. You keep saying what I'm going to say, Will. I was going to say, yeah, I think as all we right. head into a bear market, retail investors are a little bit more wary and also new people to the crypto ecosystem are a little bit more wary. So that is reflective, I think, of the stock price we see. Coinbase also said they're expecting a weaker Q2 and that they are committing their time to build. So in their earnings call, they said, in fact, our investment in our business now is especially critical. These periods of low volatility can provide the opportunity to focus more intently on product development. So we approach the opportunities ahead with confidence and steady hands. And this made me think of their NFT marketplace launch that was seen by a lot of people as a little bit of a flop. I think I was reading last week that there's only about... An, a, and to be corrected, 1,500 users who, who have signed up for the Coinbase NFT marketplace that could be active users. And so I wonder where they're going to focus their energies on 
if it's not on retail investors and getting new retail investors in the exchange part of their business. I know I bring this up every time we talk about Coinbase, but they do have their Board Ape Yacht Club film trilogy that they'll be producing. I just don't know how much revenue that that is going to, <laughs> going to help bring them back the bring ticker. in. Yeah, Zach. Yeah, that was just an interesting statement, right? Because that was sort of like the Wall Street version of like, it's time to build. It's Biddle season, yeah. folks. And I think, you know, Coinbase, they are crypto natives, right? They've seen these cycles play out over time and they're trying to sort of telegraph to the Wall Street crowd that, hey, you know, it's time to build. In the, in the bear markets, mm. we build. In the bull markets, we ride high. Stick with us. Stick with us, Wall Street analysts. We're going to focus and we're going to get back to biddling. So it's interesting to see them start to, you know, again, try to convey that in uh, buttoned up terms, at least. But Jen, last story of the day, what do you got? Yeah, we're heading off to Africa. So Mara has raised $23 million in a round led by Coinbase Ventures and Alameda Research, amongst many other VCs, according to a press release. So Mara will be using the funds to invest in products targeting Nigeria and Kenya in an attempt to crack the burgeoning crypto space. So I think it's interesting, again, as we head towards a bear market to see companies investing in building in places like Africa. You know, the Central African Republic recently announced that Bitcoin is going to be legal tender there. And so I think it will be interesting to see what happens on the continent as the industry builds. So, Will, I'm going to pass it off to you. What did you take away from the story? Yeah, it brought me back to yesterday, an interview I did with Ray Youssef, who is the founder and CEO of Paxful. Uh, I think he'll be speaking at Consensus, a little plug there. But he was talking about Bitcoin adoption within Africa itself, which Paxful has focused a lot of its energy and time on. Not just Bitcoin, just uh, mostly like peer-to-peer -peer trading, right? So any cryptocurrency, especially stable coins, is something Paxful focuses on. Their main goal is to increase trade by freeing the money. And uh, they work a lot in Nigeria. They work in a lot of countries that are moving into Central African Republic because of the new news. Nobody saw that coming. And lo and behold, like they've made a legal tender. So that was probably one of the most underreported, but uh, should be hyped up stories of the year so far. Uh, to get to your question, Jen, it, there's a really interesting correlation, and Ray brought this up yesterday, between Bitcoin prices and how the US and the Western world experiences them, and then peer-to-peer -peer volumes on these exchanges in uh, underdeveloped countries. And you see that typically they're actually just up and to the right in underdeveloped countries. Peer-to-peer -peer trading with cryptocurrencies continues just to grow regardless of bear bull markets. In fact, during bull markets, you see lower trading volumes because people just want to hold on to their Bitcoin. They want to hold on to their crypto dollars or whatnot. During a bear market, the trading, the volume of them actually goes up a lot because people are willing to use it as a medium of exchange. So I think what we're going to see going forward is that this peer-to-peer -peer market for these things continues to grow because it's leapfrogging the old infrastructure that is not able to use this money. People are just using their cell phones to move money between accounts. Uh, they're moving past those things. So I think like Sub-Saharan Africa definitely is something to continue watching. The Central African Republic caught a lot of people off guard, which is sort of a bummer, to be honest, that uh, media and just the focus of crypto Twitter and whatnot is not focused on that part of the world. But that's really what Bitcoin is for. I think that's the great part about this story in the midst of what's going on with Terra Luna is like there is a silver lining to all like the chaos and car interest thing right now. Zach, I'll give it to you. Yeah, and I think that's what they're seeing, right? You, you go to, I think it's like useful tulips, right? And it like aggregates packs full and like local Bitcoins data. And it's always popping in, in Africa, right? In Nigeria, the peer-to-peer -peer market is always pretty robust. And I think 
you know, finally, I think crypto exchange businesses are kind of waking up to the market potential there. And, you know, it's numbers of this size, 23 million, it's not nothing, represents what investors see as a potential opportunity in this geography. It's going to be interesting to see how the African crypto scene continues to evolve. Will is super right. You know, it's been very peer-to-peer to date. And whether or not a big crypto exchange can put a, plant a flag and emerge as a leader in that continent. And this is not the only you know, company investing there and building big there. It's going to be interesting to see uh, who ultimately wins the prize. But over to Jen for final thoughts on this one. Yeah, so just on the topic of the Central African Republic, Mara plans to offer guidance and regulatory advice when it comes to how they're going to roll out Bitcoin as legal tender. And so I think it will be interesting to watch. And I am looking forward to seeing what that looks like and how it compares to how El Salvador rolled out their Bitcoin as legal tender and and how it addresses some of the legal issues we saw around that. I wonder who the next country will be to say that Bitcoin is legal tender during this bear market. Any you guys going to put your money on on any countries? I want it to be Chad because that would be great. That'd just be so good. But I don't know. I, Honduras was rumored last year, but then that apparently fell apart because the IMF stepped in, which sounds a little shady. I don't know if it's true. It's all speculation right now. I think we could see some like more outlying territories do it because they're not really tied to the dollar or a central bank. Mm-hmm. Zach, what's your take? Yes, Chad. <laughs> Gotta be. Are we yes. just all, we're all in on Chad. I hope it's Chad. Gotta be Chad. Gotta be Chad for the meme value. So good. Just gotta be, gotta be Chad. That's a great pick, Will. I, I hope that comes to pass. Thank you. All right. Me too. Me that's too. it for the show. Let's wrap this thing. Stay safe out there, folks. It's, it's a wild market. And there's a lot of stories mm-hmm. to be had. Go check out coindesk.com. Get up to speed on everything that's going on. We'll do our best to do that in multimedia format for you tomorrow on a Thursday. Check us out on the podcast network if you haven't. Take us on the go. Listen to us in the car, at the gym. I don't know where you listen to podcasts. It's a good, good thing. Check it out. Uh, and until then, we'll uh, we'll wish you well, and we'll see you soon. I'm Zach Seward. That's Jen Sanasi. Will Foxley over on the other side. We're the Hash. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Hash on the CoinDesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.